0: Hey, everyone. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to Radiant 17. Um, This is our last day of Pentecost. It ends tomorrow at sundown. And I hope that you just leaned in. I hope you've been pressing in um, because he has some special things for us in this season. And it's just a time for us to turn our hearts to him. And gain and get his narrative and his understanding so we can therefore move in power and carry the fear of the Lord. I was reflecting on just something as it took me back to when I was a young kid and I asked my mom this question, mama, why didn't they let us read or write? And it was a question that I asked that was, profound, even as an adult now looking back, it was a profound question. But my mom didn't have an answer because it wasn't one of those answers you can just say that, well, they didn't like us or 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 they just didn't want us to read or write. But it was much more deeper than that. And I'm here today just reflecting on it as I look at the signs of the times, as I look at the events have taken place and just what has been taking place for years, you know, in some cases, centuries. Um, And I just want to share what I felt the Lord wants to speak and encourage his people to begin to do, not just one demographic of people, but All people are going to be affected by this. And I really feel that this is something for you to encourage you to stir your hope, to cause you to believe and keep believing and not allow the thief to come and kill, steal and destroy because the good shepherd has come to give us life and not more abundantly. And that is the life that I choose to take and use and thrive. And he wants us to thrive and bear so much fruit that it just makes the enemy jealous and upset, but he cannot do nothing with it because you are God's anointed ones, anointed, sent for such a time as now to do what God has given us to do. And when I think of that question, mama, why didn't they let us read or write? I thought of Jeremiah when the Lord spoke to Jeremiah and told him, he says, before your mother knew you, I knew you and I ordained you and sanctified you as a prophet to the nations, and I love this, and it says that the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord says, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. I want to hear to tell you that God has put something down in us, so special, but when we all begin to express and to declare what is what God has given us, this message that God has entrusted us with, that's why we need to be redeemed, it begins to show the full counsel of who He is, and so when I think about that question, why, if we were not able to read or write, we could not articulate nor express the message, the word that God has placed in us to share with the world. Each one of us is a bridge, is a is a um, hmm, is an extension of the kingdom, and. We are uniquely made and fashioned for the father's use. But when you come together, it is his face completely. And so when I look at that and I look at the battle that we have fought to read and out of that, great writers have come forth to write and out of that, great speakers have come to speak, but at a great cost. And a lot of them have lost their lives. Solomon said this. There's nothing new under the sun. There's an earthly um, term that says, you know, if we don't learn from it the first time, we're bound to repeat it again. And I find that even in Jesus' time, when Jesus said to them, he said, he said, all the prophets that have come and spoke and declared the will of God, you have all killed. You have all silenced. You have all put out of commission so that you would not hear the narrative of the Lord because his narrative is life. Jesus said this, my words are spirit and life. And as long as God's word is here on earth to be proclaimed and declared, his words are spirit and life. As long as the children of God are here on this earth to proclaim God's word, his word is spirit and life spirit and life, it releases the spirit of God to move and do the will of God. Because what did the spirit of God do in the beginning? The Bible says in the beginning, the spirit hovered over the earth and then it began to what? Declare. The Bible says that same spirit that lives in us will not do its own thing, but it will only do that which the father wills. And then you think of life, Jesus said, the life in me is a light to men. And so it is life giving spirit and life. So when we proclaim God's word or we proclaim the logos or the rhema word of the Lord, we are releasing his spirit and his life to give light to men. Amen. And so as we dig into this, it's understandable that you would shut down a demographic of people. Now we look and we see that not only was it Uh, Afro-Americans, but it was also women who didn't have a voice. And so they were robbed of being able to express their aspect of what God has given a woman. That's why it's a beautiful picture when a man and woman come together and they are married, they form something so beautiful. It's a oneness that God is talking about. It's a clear picture of who he is. And so when a man is able to proclaim, but the woman is not, her voice is silent we're not seeing the clear perspective of what God wants us to see, and so as we are journeying, we look. and Hebrew said this. I love what Hebrew said in Hebrews eleven. It says that by faith, we were meant to subdue kingdoms, to administer justice, to obtain the promises, blessings come coming out of a, a close the mouth of lions, to extinguish the powers of fire, to escape the edge of the sword out of weakness we were made strong, became mighty and unbeatable in battle, and put the enemy to flight. That's why the enemy don't want no one to have a word or to be able to speak, because why? What we carry, what God has given us, can put him to fight. There's a scripture that says one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000, three can put a hundred thousand and just so on and so forth. As we gather together as one new man, Jew and Gentile together as one new man, as God's new man. And we begin to proclaim, we can put millions to flight. We can stop a lot of things if we join together, if we unite. And I just love what's happening because I, I know that God is going to get his inheritance. He's going to get what he wants out of the earth. He's always going to get his ways. I love a phrase that my friend used to say, he always wins, God wins. And it's so true. And I've seen it in my lifetime again, God wins. Even if we are fighting him or going against his will, God always wins. He knows how to wait you out. You can get exhausted. Let's say if we, you're going 15 rounds with the Lord and you hold your own and the Lord says, okay, well, let's go 15 more. You ain't got 15 more in the tank. You might got five more, but the Lord could go on forever. He can go on forever. So he can wait you out until you finally just get tired and say, okay, not my way, Yahweh. Not my way, Yahweh. I love that. I love that. Just surrendering our way and choosing his way. Because Jesus said, for I am the way, the truth, and the light. And I believe there is a narrative. There's a way that we can proceed to do what God has given us to do in this moment, but it's for us to seek him. It's for us to take the way we feel, our emotions, our angle. The Bible says it is okay to be angry, but sin not. It's okay to be emotional in that moment or what what we're seeing and what we're witnessing. It's okay to be angry, but when our anger turns us to something destructive, that's not the Lord. He says, come to me. Take that which you are feeling and let that spur you to or let that spur you, let that stir you to come to me, to turn to me and give me that emotion, give me that anger, give me that that rage that you are feeling, that I can turn it around and use it for something good and give you perspective, give you understanding. The Bible says, in all thy getting, get an understanding. So we can understand from his panoramic view what we only see in part about. I love that God is, uh, those, those that came before us, the Bible says that they died not receiving the promise, but they believe that their part that they played was setting the stage for that greater and better day. And I love that the scripture here says, because God had us in mind, and had something better for us. I love that, that God had us in mind. And I really believe that he's talking about us today, that God had something better in mind for us. He thought of our day and all those prophets and prophetess and all those great men and women of God that fast and prayed and proclaimed and did those things. And those whose blood was innocently shed The Bible says, and set the seed, go in the ground, and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And I believe that every great person in biblical times, as well as in modern history time, in the church times, and even now, that have died, innocent blood that has been shed, that is crying out. The Bible speaks that our blood cries out to God. Abel's blood, the first one who was killed, who was murdered. He tells his brother, Cain, where's your brother? For his blood cries out unto me. What is it crying? It's crying retribution. It's crying revenge. It's crying, when are you going to avenge me? But I, I tell you, my friends, in this season, it's not about revenge. See, we have to understand things the way God does. I know the Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. But God's vengeance and our vengeance is two different things. Let me give you an example. David says this when David got into trouble and he numbered the people and he was at the threshing floor and he was allowed to pick his punishment. He had a choice to either fall in the hands of God or fall in the hands of man. And David says, I don't want to fall in the hands of man. He said, because man would just pillage me. Man's revenge, man's rage is just a continuous, insatiable thing that just needs to be fed and it would not stop. It doesn't, it doesn't have a rhyme to its reason, but he says, God, if I fall into your hands, hmm, he says, there's mercy. There is a day of reckoning. This is the season of reckoning that we have stepped in and reckoning. What that means is to settle the accounts with a person. That's what reckoning means. And that day of reckoning is to settle the accounts of things that have been tallying up, tallying up, tallying up. Now he is ready to settle these things and he's going to do it through us and through his mighty hand of power. That's why it's so important for us to turn our hearts to him, to hear his heart, to hear his agenda and begin to move and breathe with power and with the fear of the Lord. And so here are here we are in this season going to reap in areas where we haven't sown. Let me give you this visual. Those that have gone before us, if if I could liken them to a seed that goes in the ground and die, and it bears a and it goes into a big tree and it bears fruit. In the spirit, every biblical and church and every innocent person and what they carry is an orchard an endless orchard of just fruit that we can harvest and reap where we haven't sown and it's been laid for us. the Bible says that what they have done has not been apart from us. It's complete in us because God thought of us. there's this culmination God is bringing it to and I believe Jesus is the culmination. He is that culmination and we find that completeness that wholeness in him. And so when you look at this big fight that we've been fighting for a very long time, we have to understand that we cannot look at flesh and blood. If we stay in this flesh and blood realm, in the realm of emotions, we will never see the true enemy, the one who has been behind flesh and blood. Because see here, the way things God made things here on earth is that you, the spirits, need a physical counterpart to move and breathe here, to uh, impose their will. Same thing for the Lord. The Lord had to come in flesh and dwell among us and to redeem us. That was the way God set things up. And so the Bible tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against power, but against spiritual wickedness in high places, against world forces and, and against principalities. How, what does that mean for us today? A good friend of mine said it like this. There is a ground level, there is a middle level, and there is a a big regional level. And that ground level is to deal with us. It's us to come into repentance. It's us to be redeemed and come out of fellowship with the kingdom of this world so that we can become the children of light and really be the true sons of God. Then The second level is the witchcraft level. That's that level that's over territories. And then you have that principality level that's over regional areas that's orchestrating things behind the scene. But it's using physical people to carry out what needs to be done. But just like God, God uses us down here to carry out his will. That's why Jesus says, let us pray. Holy Father, let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day and the daily bread, not the bread that that perishes, but the true bread. That is the narrative of God that carries the will of God that we would move and breathe in him and be able to release his authority, his power, his narrative, his will here on earth. The enemy is just a counterfeit. He wants to counterfeit what God is doing. And that's why there's been such a fight for us as black people or just or us or or women or or just other people groups that have experienced not having a voice, not feeling like they can express the message or 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 the seed or the or the. um or the the, the part of the kingdom that God has given. That's why we needed to be redeemed. There is a divine nature in us that needed to be redeemed. And in that divine nature encoded the message, encoded the will of God that you were going to carry out as sons and daughters. And so he wanted to silence that. He wanted to keep that quiet so it would never be expressed. And that When you can do that to a people, you can cause them to be whatever you want them to be. Isn't that something? But that was not God's plan. I love what the devil meant for bad. God meant for good. I'm going to tell you, my friends, we are in a season and time that we're getting ready to see what the enemy meant for bad. God's going to flip it around for good. Keep your eyes open, not just in your lives personally, but abroad. In the, uh, in the church body abroad, in the world we know abroad that we're going to see what he meant for bad flipped around for good because God is still in control. The Bible says the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof and they that dwell therein. It is he that is founded upon the seas and he that is established upon the flood. He said, who will ascend until the heel of the Lord? He that has clean hands and a pure heart. It is in this season that we have to turn to him to get those clean hands and pure hearts because he wants to manifest himself. And it is only them that is of the pure heart that will see God. Jesus said this, blessed are the pure in heart for they what? Shall see God. He wants to manifest himself in so many different ways here on earth. He is ready to. Are we? Are we yielded enough? Are we surrendered afresh that we can carry that because it's time. No more time to spin our wheels, but time to step into what God has and move quickly. As one brother says, move expeditiously, move with such intensity. Let us be. Let us be. Inten- let us be intentional about the thing that God has given us, my friends. I want to turn you over to a story that I was reading, and. And I believe it has a lot of relevance today. And that story takes place in 2 Chronicles 20. And the Bible says that King Jehoshaphat got word that a great army, three different people groups, were assembling themselves against him. And they outnumbered them greatly. And the Bible says this, that King Jehoshaphat was afraid, set himself to seek the Lord. He proclaimed the fast throughout all Judah. So that all the people of Judah would seek the help from the Lord. People of God, I want to speak to you today. It's, it's time for us to turn to the Lord. It's time for us to seek the Lord. Yes, what we are facing, what we have been up against, whether it has been pestilence, whether it whether it's been killer bugs, whether it's been this been this this spirit of racism. This issue of racism rising up. Racism is never left. It's always been here. We want to blame people and say that that guy brought it back or this guy instituted. No, it's always been here. And now it's rearing its ugly head. It wants to rear its ugly head because it is an anti-God spirit that does not like God's people. It really doesn't. It is an anti-God spirit. It is a spirit of the enemy that has come in to try to silence a people. And that's what we've been seeing. We've been seeing our people cut off one by one by one. In the last few years, I remember the brother who got shot several, several times. Or it wasn't him that got shot several times. It was they were choking him out. And um, and I and I remember him saying, I can't breathe and all the NBA players were wearing this shirt, I can't breathe. And here we are again, and that was in the last decade. Now in this decade, we have a situation with George Floyd that has happened where a police officer has you know, blatantly just killed him on national TV. And he yells out these words, I can't breathe. If you can't breathe, you can't speak. People of God, That's that same spirit that has been trying, that has been successful at keeping us silent to a certain degree. And it is time for us to realize who we are fighting. He's saying we cannot breathe. When 2020 came in or when the Jewish New Year came in last September, it was the decade of what we call pay. Pay is the is the mouth on the person. It is the season, it is the decade of proclaiming and declaring. Isn't it interesting in 2020 that we have experienced a pandemic where we've had to put a mask on to kind of muzzle our mouths? And then we have this situation with George Floyd where he says, I can't breathe. He basically was suffocated, strangled by another man's knee upon his neck. So he all he could do is whisper out, I can't breathe. Now his voice is silent. He doesn't have a voice, but his blood is crying from the ground like many other people that have died senselessly. Many of God's prophets have died the same way when they've proclaimed righteousness, when they proclaim holiness, when they stood and proclaimed the will of God, the enemy himself, through using people, have snuffed them out. But we are in a time and season that we, that which has been done in secret is now being shot to the rooftop. That which has been uh, done in darkness, the light is shining on it. We're in a season and time where nothing is going to be hidden anymore. It's going to be out in the open and revealed and people are going to see it. And people are going to have to make a choice what they're going to stand for. Let me tell you, my friends, what we see back and forth, this political fight between Democrats and Republicans. Let me enlighten you. A new regime is here. And when a new regime is here, that's in the book of Daniel, where Daniel talks about having to pray and waiting for his prayer to be heard. And his prayer was heard in the first day, but 20 days, 21 days later, Gabriel comes and tells him, God heard your prayer on the first day, but the principalities were fighting. And when I go back, the new regime will be in charge and that was greece when god spoke to me 4 years ago that a new principality was here i knew that what he was saying basically was that there was a physical people now ready to carry out this new thing now what we're seeing is that there's this left there's this fight for room there's this fight to take the space and so here's this Here's this one regime that represents one world, government, but it's dark and it's evil. And God represents uniting people because Paul speaks about it. It's neither bond nor free, male nor female, Jew nor, nor Greek, but it's all one in Christ Jesus. There's a oneness of God that we're being called to. There's a unity of God that God is calling his people. And the enemy himself is a counterfeit. He's been counterfeiting God for a very long time and even down to this one world thing where he wants to unify, but it's unifying what they did in the tower Tower of Babel, how they became one people and they were willing to build a tower in the heaven and not obey God's will to fulfill and replenish the earth and spread out. And so God had to stop them. And I believe the same God that stopped them at the tower of Babel in Genesis uh, chapter, um, I believe it's uh, 11 or 10, is the same God that'll stop them now. And so you have these two fighting. That spirit is fighting and it wants to silence the people, but it can't. I love the story here in Jehoshaphat because as he turned his heart towards the Lord, he began to pray and seek God and he began to proclaim and talk about all that God had done, all the great things that God had done, all the doors that God had opened and how no one can stand up before the Lord. Let me encourage you in your time of prayer, as you're praying for your community and your nation and your family, you begin to remind God how great he is. You begin to remind God, and it's not just reminding God, but you saying it, it's you hearing it in your ear, reminding yourself who you serve and how great he is. And there's not a thing on this earth that he can not get rid of. There's nothing on this earth that he can that can stand against him. And so they turn to the Lord. And all of a sudden the Lord speaks to a prophet and he tells them this. And the Lord said unto them, be not afraid nor dismayed. For this great multitude or this great situations or this great thing that we've been fighting for a very long time, the battle is not yours. Why? Why is it not yours? Because flesh and blood cannot fight this, cannot fight this. This is a spirit thing. So we have to get into the spirit. We got to begin the war in the spirit, fasting and praying, seeking the will of God and begin to receive his narrative so that we can move as a unit and begin to execute his will on earth as his strong right hand goes before us. To move the obstacles out of the way, I love what he told the rubber bell in the book of Zechariah. He said, The rubber bell, you're going to finish the thing you begun. I'm going to tell you today, people of God, we are going to finish the thing that has that God has begun in you. And he tells you, He said, The mountain that is standing before you will be leveled, and you will walk across this big obstacle that has been an obstacle, and you will shout, Grace, 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 because He's so good. He tells them. He said, you need not to fight this battle. Just position yourself and witness and stand still and see what I can do. Be not afraid, be not dismayed for the Lord is with us. He has not left it. He has not forsaken us. He is with us, but we are dealing with a spirit that wants to silence God's people, period. He wants to silence humanity, period. And we as black people have experienced it the most. We've experienced being silenced, being pressed down and just arrested development, institutionalized and all those things that that I could pull out. But we see that with women. Women have experienced the same thing. Other people, groups have experienced it. This spirit is not a respect to a person. It doesn't care whether it's black, white or green. This spirit is after silence and everything. Let me give you an example really quick. And I'm going to land this plane in the time of... uh, um, Jezebel and um, King Ahab, he was over the king of Israel. The the kingdom of Israel fell into uh, an anti-God spirit, Baal. And there was only one province that was near the king's castle that was still under under heaven. There was an open heaven there. Um, King Ahab wanted that land, but the man tells him, he said, God spoke to me and told me not to give your land to you. So he went home. He was upset and angry. He told his wife, his wife began to leverage his power and utilize and did a, a sneaky plan that caused that man to be killed. And so she was able to get the land. What did Jezebel really wanted? She wanted the land. She What, did, what was that about? It was about taking something that God was still breathing on and totally bringing it under darkness. Every part of the kingdom was under darkness. But that particular land, because that man heard from God because he told him not to give his land. That's what it's about right now. This spirit wants to silence the land completely so that no one is hearing from God because it has its narrative that it wants to put in the earth. And so I tell you, I encourage you unplug from the narratives, unplug from unhealthy stuff because it's coming to steal, kill and destroy and program you to uh, assimilate and to be a part of what's going on but there's something greater that God has in store for us. And if we just lay hold to him and hold on and be not dismayed and and put our hope in him, it will not disappoint. And we will see the justice we need to see. I bless you, my friends. I hope this encourages you. I love you. And I just bless you until next time. May the Lord's in my mouth.